Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. I'm going to talk to you about the kingdom today. You know, it was funny because I was listening to the Spirit, having some conversation with Jesus while I was standing there. And it made me think about, you know, what did he, what did Jesus come to, to tell about the kingdom? He came to tell about the kingdom. He came to establish the kingdom. So I'm just in this theme and I'm just rolling with it. So he just keeps uh, continuing. I believe that there are some uh, walls, some barriers that he wants to break down in the way that we perceive him, the way that we see him, the way that we see his kingdom. And so I want to talk a little bit more about the kingdom that Jesus came to establish today. Also, uh, just a moment, I, you know, I can't, what took place today, what's been taking place this week is uh, holy. What you lay on the altar is holy. God makes it holy. He takes that and he makes it right. And so um, I, I asked Brian to pick all those up and I said, just rip them immediately because there's something that we, in us, that we I don't want that wasn't for us to know what you laid on the altar. And so I didn't want anyone to think or have any thoughts that we were going to like collect those up and read them because they're not ours. They're not ours. That's between you and God. And so we'll destroy them the rest of the way because you laid it down. I I thought of a you know, we need to make sure that we put safety nets in place. There are areas of weakness that we have in our life. And um the enemy knows what those are, and he'll set us up. <laughs> he will lay a trap before us, a snare, right? And so there are things that we, safeguards that we need to put in place for ourselves. We do that for our children, right? We put safety things in place for them. And as I was raising my kids, one of the things that it's hard because you want your kids, just like God, he wants us to know that he trusts us and that we can trust him. And there, there's this relationship there. But when you're trying to protect your children, especially as technology is introduced, sometimes it can appear to them that you don't trust them. And there's something about that feeling of like someone doesn't trust you that almost can create in some of us, not everyone, this thing of like, if you tell me not to touch it, I'm going to touch it situation, kind of like Eve in the garden, right? It's like, I just needed to explore that tree. Although I had all this other stuff, but that tree, you know, caught her attention because there was a trap set for her. So I say all that to say, put some things in place. If you know that there is an area of weakness in your life, don't go around it. Don't go around them. Don't look at that. Don't touch that. Right? If I, if I know that sugar is not good for me and I shouldn't have it and I spend my time at the ice cream shop and the bakery, that's going to become an issue for me, right? That temptation is going to be harder to resist. So there are safeguards that are in place uh, with my children when, when they were growing up that we put into place and they weren't perfect. And if they, if you want to find trouble, you can. Can I get a witness? 
It's real easy. We went to this youth conference several years ago, and one of the guys was, well, you know, because it's real common to preach on sin with a bunch of youth kids, you know, because you just assume that's what they're all doing. But the thing is, is most of all of us can be found in snares and traps at different times. But we're real good about pounding that in when you're in youth. <laughs> but anyway, the guy was talking about the internet, and he said, he talked about clickbait. And I just use that as an example because um, he said it's three clicks in. It's three clicks in. You click on the first video, and it's what you're looking for. The second one, maybe. And then before you know it, you click on the next one, and it's maybe not what you were looking for. And I'm just using this as an example. And then before you know it, you're off into some deep hole, exposing yourself to things that you shouldn't. Um, and uh, so I've, I have always thought about that. So are we three steps away? You know, I don't know. But it is something to think about and to be aware of. Uh, so a couple of things that are just very practical. Um, my, hypothetically, if you had <laughs> a teenager in your home <laughs> and you were trying to keep them... Um, Maybe they become an adult, and then all of a sudden, you know, like things that weren't okay yesterday, this whole other world has opened up. Now, maybe just because it's, it's right doesn't mean that it's good for you, right? There's scripture that says that. Um, uh, so we want to make sure that we're edifying the body. I'm going somewhere here, so just hang with me. Uh, so in our home... On all of our streaming services, because that's what we use now, right? We all have streaming services. You can put safeguards in place where things don't even show up on your searches based on ratings. We do that a lot when our kids are young, but then as adults, we don't put those same safety measures in place for ourselves. On Google, there is a thing called safe search. Click it. Go into your settings and click that. And you will not find as many traps and snares as you will without that safe search clicked on there. Now, it has refined over the years. The algorithms have gotten better and all those sorts of things. So used to, it would lock you out of some really strange places. You're like, I don't know why it won't let me go to this cooking show, you know, whatever. But they've gotten better at that. Put things in place to protect yourself. Do that. That is okay. I was having a conversation with some teenagers about the process of the fact that there are, for, my, for myself, there are things that I will not consume and I will not allow my eyes to see. I just won't do it. Now, is it legal for me to do? Yeah. It's legal for me to do it by the law. But I don't live under that governmental authority. I live under a governmental authority that is higher than that. And there's a certain standard that I believe that God is calling me to live. I am not perfect. And if you've lived in my home and you've seen me live and you've been a close proximity of me, you know that I am not perfect. But there are things that I know that would be traps for me. And I will not expose myself to those things. And if I find myself being tempted, because it does happen, it does. And let's say that I do 
partake of something I shouldn't, then I need to be quick, not in condemnation, but from the love of the Father and the unction of the Holy Spirit to not touch that thing anymore, to let it go. So uh, my daughter, she just turned 18 in, in June, and I haven't had a discussion with her about this, so I don't know why she still does it, but I have a feeling I know why she still does it. But in our house at 10 o'clock, if you're under 18, that technology goes on a charger somewhere, and it's no longer yours. It goes on the counter in the kitchen. No, doesn't go in your room. It goes on the counter in the kitchen. There's nothing that you need to be looking at or talking to after 10 p.m., in my mind, if you're under 18. And so that's just our standard. That's the way we raised our kids. That's just what we do. My daughter, who is now 18, and it is all legal, still puts her phone on the charger downstairs. Her bedroom is upstairs. I'm not elevating her, but I can't help but think she knows that that would be a temptation for her. And she leaves that phone downstairs. I can't rule her or govern her. Nathaniel was just telling me about a friend of his who has chosen the kind of life that he wants to live. Nathaniel's friend. He does not use technology, but on the weekends. Because there are other ways he wants to spend his time. I'm not talking or preaching against technology. I'm just saying, how do you want to live your life? How do you want to live your life? Put things in place that help you be successful. Don't go to the places that you know are going to be temptations for you. Don't entertain those things. I don't watch movies that are above a particular rating. I just don't. I don't even look at the list. They don't even show up on my search. That way I'm not tempted to think, I bet that's a really good movie. Maybe I'll just try it out and see. I just don't do it. That's my personal preference and my personal conviction. But I'm just telling you that if you don't, you will find yourself in a snare. You will find yourself in a trap, and that temptation will be there again if you don't put some safeguards and some accountability in place. Accountability is a great thing. Holy Spirit is great at keeping people accountable as well. But we also have community and those people around us that need to be able to say, hey, I really don't think you should drink another caffeine drink. You've already had a six-pack today. It's probably not good for your heart. Right? Okay. So we look out for each other. You laid things on the altar. Let them stay. Don't pick them back up. Don't pick them back up. I, love, I used to love movies. I, I really have always enjoyed watching movies. In the past year and a half, I don't care much for TV or TV at all. Um, but... I used to really, really like movies. I mean, I worked at a video store when you could rent videos. Remember anybody? Anybody? I worked at a movie theater. As a teenager, I, I've always really enjoyed movies. And there are probably movies that I allowed myself to watch that I should not. They, they created snares for me. They created things in my life that created issues that I had to then overcome. I couldn't do that. I can't do that anymore. 
There are things that I can't do like that. So I'm just saying, you have your own things. It's okay to have the things. It's okay to say, yeah, I, I just can't drink that, or I can't hang out there, or I, you know. And it's not about the can't, but I know that God has better for me. I know he has better for me. And I want to grow in the things, and you've heard me say this, but if by me consecrating my life, I'm already set apart, he's already set me apart for his work. Right? Can we agree to that? We've been set apart. But by the sanctification process and the consecration process, the Holy Spirit will lead you through. Has he ever asked you to give up something or lay it down? Has he ever asked you to lay it down? And then you try to pick it back up and you feel really gross. Like you're like, oh. It's because he's just saying, just lay it down for me. But if by my emptying out of the things of this world and the things that get in my way, hinder me and can fill me up. By me laying those things down, if that increases Holy Spirit in me. So that when you come to me. And we need to pray. I don't have to be, oh, Lord. I am nowhere. I'm not sure I can even reach heaven with my prayer, which is a lie. It is a lie. But I want to be so full of him that signs, wonders, and miracles follow me. That you know that we can touch heaven together. I don't want there to be anything standing in the way. So he's perfecting me, and he is you as well. So thank you for your obedience to lay these things down on the altar that need to be laid down. Don't pick it back up. Go ahead and figure out, ask Holy Spirit, what do I need to do so that this, that I can lay this down permanently? Let me walk through this. And then allow people into your life that can speak honestly with you. That's why he wants us to be in relationship. If we're not in relationship, then it's hard to speak into someone's life. Because then it, it comes from a place that we can't often receive it. And sometimes it hurts even when it is in someone we're in relationship with. It doesn't feel good. But we need to allow ourselves that, that ability to be real and vulnerable with each other. So I don't know if you guys, um, those of you that we may be friends on social media, which I don't post a whole lot except for church stuff, but I did ask the question today of who is God. If I asked you what the character of God is, what would you say? And I want to talk to you a little bit about perspective. Um, and, uh, just to shift the moment, Nathaniel, would you, well, hang on a second. Don't pull it up yet. So, hey, Wade, will you come stand right here beside me? I won't look so short if you stand down here. <laughs> so here we are. This, you may look at us and you may have different perceptions of who we are and what we are and how we live our life and all those things and um, even the way we look, you know, uh, depending upon how close proximity you are to us, you'll notice different things about us. 
um, all the stray hairs or the weird freckles or... That's not overshadowed. <laughs> yeah, your beard, how it's growing, all the things. <laughs> We're aging well. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so you have a particular perception of what we look like. Well, let me show you this perspective, Nathaniel. <laughs> That's us. Do you remember when these were popular a couple of years ago? Yeah. <laughs> this is 30 years in the future. Aren't we cute? That's uh, <laughs> That's um, our grandmother, grandmother and grandfather name is Honey and Poppy. We don't have any yet, but someday we will. That's Honey and Poppy up there. We just haven't made it there yet. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, I look so much like my mom in that picture. It's so weird, isn't it? So um, anyway. I thought it would be really neat to just share that picture because our perception really does. Have you ever listened, like if you listen to podcasts, you'll hear the, a voice and you'll have an idea of what they look like, but then when you go look at their face, you're like, that's not at all what I thought they looked like, you know? Um, I think online dating is a lot like that, right? I, I've not ever done it, but <laughs> I understand you can sit, yeah. I understand that to be an issue with online dating, that it's not always the way it seems. Things are not always the way they appear. And, uh, you know, and we have filters now, like, man, so many filters. So even when you post a picture, oftentimes it's, that's, I'm like, wow, I had no, I thought, where did that freckle go? I just knew that they had a freckle, right? There's so many filters. And uh, we change because for some reason we want to change the perception of what it is, of the reality of things. And so our perception of something becomes our reality. The thing about that perception is that it is laced depending upon um, our life lived, the things that we've walked through, uh, the way, uh, honestly, how healed we are, uh, especially from emotional trauma and hurts and things like that, really, really can affect our perception. So just like this, it's like, you know, you play the telephone game, and, and I start over here with Brian, I whisper in his ear, and then by the time it gets back here uh, to the back corner where Emily is sitting, then that message is probably different. Because, for many reasons, once it's our hearing, but it can also be our perception of what's being said. Uh, your daughter, Shantae, does not like the way I say her name. <laughs> she's tried to correct me. She's like, no, this is the way you pronounce it. Sanaya. She doesn't like it. And so I tried to explain to her that I thought it was my southern draw, my southern accent, <laughs> saying her name that she's probably not used to hearing someone say her name with. And she's like, eh, it's fine. She finally's like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> but she was not happy with that. <laughs> And so her perception was that it wasn't right. It didn't sound right. And so I can say something as simple as, hey, would you go take the garbage out? And one person would be like, I can't believe she asked me to take the garbage out. 
Who does she think she is? Or it could be like, oh, why didn't I think to take the garbage out? Oh, I feel so bad. She asked me to take the garbage out. I should have already done it. Or it could just be like, oh, she asked me to take the garbage out. Oh, I'm so glad I can help her. That's always a nice one. <laughs> but it depends on this filter, this lens to which we take in information. I might have really just meant, would you take the garbage out? <laughs> you know, I didn't have any other preconceived ideas except, hey, the garbage needs to be taken out, and I'm asking you to do that. But in that moment, what we hear is, can be skewed by our perception. So these are my definitions. My definition for perspective is how something is perceived based on a particular set of experiences and knowledge. Perspective is how something is perceived based on a particular set of experiences and knowledge. So from those perspectives, we make assumptions, right? So it's easy to look at someone else's life and think, man, they've got it so easy. They never struggle with anything. Like, their life looks perfect. They've got, you know, it's a family. They got a, a son and a daughter and a dog and a cat. And, you know, they got this nice house. And they drive this car. And I'm just talking about, like, the, you know, perception we have of things like that. We make assumptions from the outside that are like, man, they've got it all together. But then the reality may be different than that but we make assumptions about that based on our perspective. And so we have to be really careful that our perspective is through a lens that is true to reality, that we remove those filters which are laced with experiences, ideas, hurt, healing, relationships, all of these things create our perception, okay? So I want to read to you. Well, I want to tell you, maybe I'll just tell you about the story um, of the talents. So I'm going to paraphrase. Sorry, Nate. <laughs> I always ask him to pull up like 15,000 scriptures, and I'm like, I don't know which ones I'm going to use. Just pull them all up, and we'll see where we go. <laughs> so... Um, but the story of the talents is in Matthew chapter 25. I'll give you the scripture references so you can write them down in case you want to read them and study them later. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. And in there, it talks about the talents. And this ruler is about to go out of town. This is very interesting because Jesus says... I want to tell you, teach you about the kingdom. I want to teach you about my kingdom. It is like a ruler who is leaving town and he passes out. This is a general paraphrase somewhere between Matthew 25 and Luke 19. So there are two stories in both those passages. And he gives to them a responsibility as he is leaving. I'm going to make you responsible for these talents. Now, talent in Scripture is equivalent to a, a form of money, okay? In Luke, it talks about a mina, which is also a form of money. I'm going to give you these. And to one, he gave 5,000. To another, 
he gave 2,000, and to another, he gave 1,000. Those are not exactly right. Remember, this is my story, so y'all go on with me. Okay. When I go to quote the scripture, you'll know I'm quoting it. Um, and so the king goes away. He says, I'm going to go away. He comes back. And he goes to back to the servant, and he, or this, and the servant comes to him, and and he says, "Look what I have done! I invested this five thousand, and now it's worth ten thousand. And the king, the ruler, he says, "Very good! I'm so proud of you. Good job." The next one comes up, and he took what was given him, and he made a um, deposit of some an investment he made an investment with what he had been given stewardship over and it had also gained a return but then there was the one who he had given the smallest amount and it says in verse 24 in Matthew 25 then the one who had been entrusted with 1000 gold coins came to his master and said I think you have it in New King James up on the screen, so this will be fun. Um, But I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation. And said, look, sir, I know that you are a hard man to please, and you're a shrewd and ruthless businessman who grows rich on the backs of others. I was afraid of you, so I went and hid your money and buried it in the ground. But here it is. Take it. It's yours. But his master said to him, you're an untrustworthy and lazy servant. If you knew I was shrewd and ruthless businessman who always makes a profit, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? We all know if you deposit it in the bank, you're going to get a little return. It's a very little return, but you're going to get something for it, right? Then I would have received it back with interest when I returned. But because you were unfaithful, I will take the 1,000 gold coins and give them to the one who has 10,000. For the one who has will be given more until he overflows with abundance. And the one with hardly anything, even what little he has, will be taken from him. Then the master said to his other servants, Now throw this good-for-nothing servant far away from me into the outer darkness, where there will be great misery and anguish. Whew, he is tough. That was tough, right? And so I think um, it's really interesting because when we look at this particular passage of Scripture, we always, I tend to focus on the servants. Like, you know, I'm like, man, he is ruthless. He really is ruthless. Like, that. that's tough. He was hard on him because he was not pleased with what he had done, with what he had been entrusted to. But I find it very interesting because I think instead of us, what we tend to do is we oftentimes look at Scripture to find ourselves when we're supposed to look at Scripture to find Jesus. Right? Because Jesus just does the transforming in our life. But we want to see ourselves there. And so oftentimes we then read the Scripture, not through the lens of the Holy Spirit, but we read it through our lens in our life experience. And so if I did that, if I read that passage of Scripture, I would be like, God is not nice. He's not nice. He's, you know, wants to throw me into hell. That's what he wants to do. But instead, just like this servant who was given the thousand talents, he had a misperception of who God was. Because he said, had you known me, you would have taken better care of what I entrusted to you. Had you known my character, 
But since this is the way that you know me, this is then how you'll be judged. Well, thank you. (laughs) He's not. But we can choose to look at him that way. Like it says in Scripture, depart from me. We're going to get there. Some of us will get there and we'll say, but I cast out demons in your name. I healed the sick in your name. And he'll say, but I never knew you. I never knew you. Because he doesn't want you to just work for him. He wants to have relationship with you. He wants you to know him, to know his character and nature like the other servants did. They were like, oh, wow, he has given me 5,000 talents. I need to, to make good of this. I need to build this for him. Just like he said, I go. He's building a place for us. I go to prepare a place for you. We are also building for him. And he has entrusted us as well. And in that passage, in the, depending on the version that you read, it says, it, you know, those who are faithful over small will become rulers over much. So some of those servants took the little that he gave and they increased it. They built with it. They took it and did great things with it. And so then what he does is he takes the thousand from the one who didn't, who wasn't a good steward of it, and he gives it to the ones that are. But we can look at that if our perception is wrong of who God is and we can see him as a ruthless ruler. Instead of someone, God, who is saying, hey, I am entrusting you with these children. I'm entrusting you with this calling. I'm entrusting you with this purpose. Now, what are you going to do with it to build my kingdom? What are you going to do with it? Are you going to bury it? like the one with a thousand did? Are you going to take that thing and let the breath of God blow on it and increase the kingdom with it? So instead of us having the perception of, oh, Lord, he's going to beat me over the head, we should have it as he has entrusted me with whatever it is. And he will bring increase to what that is. But we have to change our perception of the way that we see him. So that when we stand before him, we can, there's this crown that's being created. And everything that we build for him is being put into this crown. Just go with me. So as we are faithful to serve him, as we are faithful to do the things that he's asking us to do, giving us opportunity. I mean, really, it's the opportunity. It's the creator of the universe, after all, that's asking us, giving us opportunity to be a part of building a kingdom for his son to rule and reign over. I mean, it's pretty fantastic when you think about it. And the beauty of that is the fact that every time we're obedient to that, and we help further the kingdom of God, or we're faithful in the things that he's called us to do, or he's given us to do with, it's like we're building this crown. 
And then when you read in Revelation, these crowns then become the thing that we get to present to God. He gets to look at us and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that's what we really want to hear. But our perception keeps us from being able to see him that way. And sometimes that manifests in fear. Fear of doing the wrong thing, right? But he is. One of the things that I think he's really been training this house is that over and over he shows us that he is moved by our movement. And sometimes we just need to make a move. We just need to make a move. And this is typically my advice. Make a move in the direction that you think God is leading. Unless he has told you not to. But this is when people are like, I'm not sure what to do. Make a move. And if you do, it will move the hand of God. And you are his child who desires to give you good gifts. And he has a plan to prosper you. And he will course correct and guide you. He will open doors that no man can close. And he will close doors that no man can open. And if you begin to walk in that direction, begin to watch things shift and move to align you in the direction that you're supposed to go. So that then you can't, your perception be like, well, look at all the things they're doing over there. Or look at them. They got all the talent and I got none. Which is what we say sometimes when we look at people. They can sing. They can play. They're like, what's that called? A triple threat? Here I go with the sports analogy. Is that what they're called? A triple threat? If they can like play three sports and stuff like that. I think that's what that's called. Looking at all my sports people and everybody's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Y'all leaving me out, hanging me out to dry here. Thank you. But we can look at that and think, oh my goodness. But God may be asking you to be faithful in a particular area of something that he's entrusted you to do. And it's the work he wants you to do right now. And that work, being faithful over that, whatever it may be, although it may feel small to you, is significant in him understanding that you understand his character and nature. So let's not be afraid to make a move and watch the hand of God shift and change things. And as someone who uh, dreams big, big for me anyway, and my big may seem small to you, so, you know, perception. (laughs) But it's big for me. It would be. I would say that in my younger years, I struggled with procrastination. Because if I just didn't do anything, I wouldn't fail. I wouldn't, nobody would be disappointed in me. But that's actually a decision. We think it's not a decision, but we are actually making a decision. The decision is to not do anything. And so I would procrastinate. I would wait to the last minute. I was very insecure, shy, and so I just didn't want to get it wrong so I wouldn't do anything. I mean, honestly, that's the way I made it through high school. I I, I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want to do anything to draw attention to myself. I procrastinated my way through it. I knew exactly what I needed to do to just do enough to get through, and that's all I did. 
because of my own insecurities. I didn't understand who God was. There was no way I was going to understand who I was. And I did. I just let people take and take and take from me because I had no understanding of who I was. But procrastination is not something I struggle with anymore. Because the thing is, is he's given us really great things to be a part of. And I want to be a part of all of those things. Wade and I have had this discussion, and I just don't want to die with any ounce of purpose left in me. And I really don't want you to die with a purpose left in you either. I just don't want to. And so I want to have a right perception of who God is and what he is. And when we do, it will change the way we live our life. It will change the way we live our life for heaven and to heaven. In Matthew 28, 19, it says, Go into all the world making disciples. I find this really interesting. Not just making converts or telling people about Jesus, but making disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple is a follower of someone. We follow a lot of people nowadays. Like on social media, you can follow all kinds of people, doing all kinds of things, right? I just discovered this organizing show, and I just love to watch it. They just organize everything. All of a sudden, my whole house is going to have these clear plastic containers everywhere I look because that thing, that show, I have become a bit of a disciple. I'm sold. I'm like, yes, organization. It's a beautiful thing. But we can become disciples of things that we follow. We will become a disciple of those things. So what are those things that we follow? Wade follows, I have to talk about Dennis. Wade's got this new best friend. <laughs> Wade, I, and I don't, this is not condescending in any way. I am quite impressed. His knowledge of the war going on in Ukraine blows my mind. And he has made this friend, Dennis. And he watches Dennis's YouTube videos every day. Because Dennis gives him the daily update on what happened in Ukraine. And he says, hello, my friend. The beginning of every video. <laughs> and so when Wade's watching Dennis, we just hear his little voice in the other room. <laughs> hello, my friend. The terrible accent. I have no idea what it's supposed to really sound like. This is Dennis. <laughs> so Wade has become a follower of that. <laughs> Anyway, I'm just using that as an example. But we can become a disciple of things. Think about the things that you know about. Think about the information and knowledge that you have about things that you like. You have become a follower or a disciple of that in a sense. Now, the first time that term was used was actually in Scripture, where he said, go and make disciples. That's where it originated, was in Scripture, disciple. I got the Latin word disciplus, which means student, learner, or follower. And in the Bible, it was used as a follower of Jesus. And so if our, if our assignment is to go and make disciples, then we've got to know the character and the nature of the one to which we're following, right? And, and Ken touched on it when he was talking about, you know, because Jesus says, um, you know, uh, 
follow me, and it, and it says, you know, uh, I am in my Father as he is in me, and I am in you. Something like that. <laughs> because he has become a part of us. We have gone through the death and resurrection to become a part of Jesus, to become a part of that. And so I think we have to work on our discipleship. Who, what are we creating for other people to follow? Because in Genesis, it says to reproduce after your own kind. I love this analogy because, man, it was rhema, revelation for me, and is really stuck with me. Because if you've been, you know, Paul even says it. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Because Paul knew he was making disciples. And so I should live a life that people can imitate. My life should reflect Jesus. And so as I follow Christ, I should be able to say to you, follow me as I follow Christ. I mean, really? But if my perception is, what kind of Christ am I teaching them to follow? And um, if you spend time with people, have you noticed you'll start talking like them? Like Karen, she's... Karen LaFawn, man, oh man, she like she spent three minutes with you, and before you know it, she's got the same accent you've got, which I have heard gets her in trouble sometimes. You take her to the Asian restaurant, you know, and you never know what could happen. But it happens. It does. Um, you know, Proverbs is full of that. Those people that you surround, look at your friends, it'll tell you a lot about your future, right? People say that. Or I can look at your friends and tell you about your future. So what are we looking like? Who are we following? And maybe we need to readjust those that we are following. Are they going in a direction that's the direction you want to go? And if you are leading people, which we are, we're all called to lead. We're all called to go into all the world and make disciples. That's what we do. We should also say, follow me as I follow Christ. I will say, there's something about the North. You people don't like people coming in your house. <laughs> I'm just going to call it out. I don't know what it is. But you don't. And I think there's something to that. I think that there's a deeper rooted issue there. I think we create an atmosphere in our home that will keep us from allowing people to come in. I'm not saying 100% of you are that way. I'm just saying I've noticed it since I moved here. I can probably count on two hands in 11 years how many times I've been invited into somebody's home. What's up with that? It's not that way in the South. Somebody showed up at my house this week. We were just about to sit down for breakfast. All my Amazon boxes are piled up in the mudroom. You know, anybody have Amazon box? Like, come on, cardboard industry. Someone should have invested in this house and cardboard because we use a lot of it. But just had to let them in or to make forts and spaceships and all the things that Elias likes to create with those cardboard boxes. But I think that 
we don't create atmospheres where we're, we're able to let people in. We've created so many walls in our life that we're afraid to let people see. But as followers of Christ, if we understood who we were, we wouldn't live like that, closed up. He didn't create us to live a closed up life. He, how are you supposed to be in relationship with people that you never spend time with? How are you supposed to be in relationship with Jesus if we don't spend time with him? We're going to be like the one servant who's like, you gave it to me. I didn't know what to do with it, so I buried it in the ground. Here it is. Take it back. Right? Because he didn't know who Christ was. He didn't know. He didn't have an understanding of who God was. I went over to Katie's house like, I don't know, a hundred times, and she's like, could you just use my bathroom? You've not used my bathroom one time. I clean it every time before you come over. You remember that? <laughs> oh, me. That's because she goes to the bathroom like a hundred times. Sorry. Just, just. <laughs> There's no condemnation, but reflect on where are you? What are you keeping people out from? Lay that stuff down. Let's grow in Christ. Let's grow, grow in what he has for us. Let's become a disciple of Christ. Let's live like he, he intended for us to live. Follow me as I follow Christ is 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. In Ephesians 5, 1, it says, Be imitators of God in everything you do, for then you will represent your Father as his beloved sons and daughters. How are we going to get to know Christ? We need the Holy Spirit. Just like this morning, the Holy Spirit came into the room. And nobody needed to say a word. He was doing the work in the hearts of the people. And we just needed to let him blow right on through and do the things that he needed to do in the hearts of the people. It's like that mirror. And we see in that mirror a reflection. And what we should be reflecting back on us is the image of Christ. And that's what he really desires for us. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Will, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com connect with us on social media.